Station 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event and welcome to the intro, Jill Tucker and Tony Bravo. Hello. Thanks for having us. So we're going to cover Bay Area drive-in movies. This is going to be a tribute of sorts to Bay Area drive-in movies. We're going to go the past, the future, the porn drive-ins, um, what's left. We're covering a lot of things. One thing I want to cover right away is the theme song. And now, Jill, I'm going to date us right now. Do you remember the lobby theme song? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I hear that music and that just like transports me back in time more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you hear certain things and I, I am transported back to that sort of gravel asphalt top walking to a sticky uh, snack bar. Yeah, and that's where we're going today. Uh, Bay Area drive-in movies. This is for a style summer issue, Tony, coming up on July 15th. Yes, we're so excited that Peter is uh, contributing to this issue. It's about how to make your summer not suck in San Francisco. July can be a very miserable month in the city. So we are looking for ways to get away while only getting uh, maybe a few minutes outside of San Francisco proper. Coming up on July 15th, very excited about it, and very excited to talk about Bay Area drive-ins with you both. I have fun memories. Rest in peace to the Burlingame Four. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to the big event. Welcome back, Jill Tucker, Tony Bravo, um, very close friends of the program. I'm very glad to have both of you here. Thank you for having us. This is great. I'm thrilled to be a close friend. Yeah, yeah. And we're here to talk about drive-in theaters. Um, One, are you excited about it? Two, can you give me like a one-sentence eulogy for the drive-in theater? Tony, go. Um, The final film that I saw at a drive-in theater, Batman Returns, one of the greatest Batman films and one of the greatest Christmas films of all time, and blown up to the proportions of a drive-in theater, it was something to behold, that I must tell you. We could probably do a whole show on that statement, but um, (laughs) Jill, drive-in theaters for you. Well, my first thought is is that uh, the fact that I feel sad that they're mostly gone makes me feel really old. Um, but on the other hand, I also have these terrible regrets that I never snuck in to one in the trunk of, trunk of a car, and I never made out at one <laughs> in the front seat. So, so. it's going to be like a 12-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, ditto. I, I wish I had done those things, too. I oh know. My God. So I have a little regret. I have this whole list of things. I've been going through it, and like, there's a list of what I can talk about and what I can't talk about, because <laughs> so we had different experiences. Um Jill, I wanted to start, though. You were in my hood this weekend. You go to swap meets, flea markets. Tell me if I'm using the wrong terminology here. Yes, I. Those are the those are the right words, but they are different things. So swap meets are typically what you would find in a drive-in parking lot where perhaps the screens are still there, like these hulking yeah. masses. Um, but it's a lot of tube socks and electronics and things like that, whereas flea markets are antique fairs, uh, but flea markets have sort of a mishmash of treasures that you find under 
you know, old down jackets and, you know, weird stuff. And garage sales, too. Is that yeah. a third category? That's a totally different category, garage sales and estate sales. Oh, and estate I, sales. I go to all of, my of them. Yes, I'm a big fan of big open areas or closets full of stuff. So, so this is kind of your jam. I mean, I follow you for a lot of things on social media, um, education coverage, of course, and also to see like what you're doing on the weekend and what you're finding. And occasionally you'll bring a find in, including, thank you very much, my Marine World Africa USA pennant. Yes, that was like my huge find this weekend where I was like, it's a Marine World pennant, I'm totally buying it. So uh, yeah, I, I love uh, all the little crazy finds. What, what is it about it that you like? Um, one, is there a origin story? And two, is there something about your job and what you do that makes you want to be roaming around these places on the weekend? Is, is, it a, is, is there something about that vibe that you like? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of my zen to go look at this stuff, but I think it completely relates to what we do, which is, um, you know, have a curiosity for things and people and events and finding these weird old things. It, it, it's history. It's why did people have this? What did they use it for? Why did they design it this way? I mean, I bought this crazy little like shell diorama lamp it was made of like an abalone shell and it had like this little diorama in it and it plugged in and it totally worked with this orange bulb and i i love it because it's so like who had this who made this i have a guess on that that could be any number of my old italian family members they were so like i don't know what it is about my people but we love grotto art yes oh god grotto art i should i need that word i am also a huge um fan of the flea market garage sale estate sale world my mom's an antique dealer i I grew up very much digging through you know closets to find the one fabulous bowling shirt or the bolt of poochie fabric or um you know looking underneath the tablecloth to see what they were going to potentially bring out later once what was on top of the table got uh, a little dwindled down a little bit and I, I don't know if I knew that I was a um, vintage shopper and an antiques shopper before I knew I was a journalist, but I totally agree, Jill. They're, like, so intertwined for me, the, the stories, the history, Absolutely. the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it because this archive that's around us right now is kind of my swap meet. I mean, what you just described, that feeling, is what I get digging around in our archive. But I know, like, I can't go to swap meets or flea markets because I would see things and fall in love with them and then bring them home and realize <laughs> that it's total crap. Does that ever happen to you? No, You rarely. don't have regrets? No. Okay. I brought home one time, it was an inflatable footstool that had, it was, you could see through the sides, and it had, like, plastic flowers and astroturf on the inside. Ow. And my husband looked at it and went, are you out of your mind? And I went... This is like pure kitsch gold. That's probably some amazing 60s design, (laughs) Peter Max piece of mass produced. Awesomeness. Like abstract. Awesomeness. Fabulous. (laughs) I have some drive in history, and I'm actually really excited to tell you guys because the Bay Area has some amazing drive in history. Um, At one point, there were 37 drive ins here. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they started in the 1930s on the East Coast and didn't come here until 1947. The first one was the Concord Motor Inn, which was at Sherman Field in Concord. There's a great 
chronicle story that's like 2,500 words long, and all it is is describing what a drive-in theater is with a drive-in theater graphic so you can, like, see it. I mean, it's just, just nobody knew what it was. It was this totally foreign thing and seemed crazy. Like, you're going to go drive and see a movie? and Well, it is weird, right? Like, why not go inside and sit down on a nice velvet chair? And yet, as a country, we said, no. Let's go sit outside with this really tinny speaker and watch it from far away. Well, the the first Chronicle story actually explained this. It said um, that drive-in movies, like the demographic is going to be working men and housewives who feel like going into a movie but don't feel like dressing up. Oh, oh, when people dressed up to go okay. to the theater. I mourn I, yeah. the passing of that era. It's like, oh, I don't want to put on my tie and fedora to go to a theater today. So um, things our children will never understand. I mean, I'm going in like basketball shorts. But that was one thing. And then it also said um, also invalids and uh, fat people. They didn't use a euphemism. They just said oh. fat people and invalids who may want to drive can drive to a movie theater and see a movie without ever moving a muscle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Although you did have to walk to the snack stand, though, right? You did. You did, yeah. 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 I remember that. And then kids. They mentioned kids in pajamas were already an early thing. Um, Drive-in movies went crazy then. There were 11 drive-in movie theaters just in the year 1950, which leads us to San Francisco. And as you can imagine, um, San Francisco did not react kindly to drive-ins. The not-in-my-backyard people actually give them a name. It was, uh, let me make sure I get this right, it was the Twin Peaks Improvement Association. Oh, fon, fon, fon. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> there was a drive-in proposed for Sutro Forest, like where Sutro oh. Tower is now. Oh, wow. Right near Laguna Hospital, they were going to put a drive-in in 435 uh, screens, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, four, uh, one screen with 435 spaces. spaces. And uh, Daryl Daly, president of the Forest Hill Groups, it was a combined group, uh, declared that drive-in theaters attract a rowdy hot rod element. Well, that's my kind of people. This yeah. is so, like, American graffiti, Greece. I love it. I yeah. feel like Danny Zuko is going to come, like, swoop me up in his T-Bird. Yes, yes. And they and they um, came, like, all the parents came and uh, came to City Hall and protested the what would have been the first drive-in, like, right up. It's up pretty high, um, not too far from where Sutro Tower is yeah. now. And, um, and they won. They stopped the drive-in. They built the Geneva in 1950, right by the Cow Palace, not in San Francisco. And then they built one over by where the old farmer's market was, which is Alamany, like on the south end of the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which I think is still a farmer's market if it's the one I'm, um, flea I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah, in a flea market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It all goes back to Great flea markets, there. doesn't it, Chill? Yeah, it always does. But they were everywhere. Um, they thrived through the 70s. And then right around the 70s, land here started to become more valuable. Silicon Valley became a thing. The East Bay started populating more. Um, and then by the 1990s, they were down to about five. So um, give you a couple locations of former drive-ins. The Hayward Drive-In is now where the Hayward BART station is. They built a BART station over the drive-in. Uh, the Concord Auto Movies is now uh, 
covered by water slides. Waterworld, California. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, Alameda Auto Movie Drive-In. There were two drive-ins in Alameda, the small town of Alameda, and two drive-ins in San Leandro. College of Alameda got built over that. And the Bridgehead 123 in Antioch was replaced by a Kmart. So, oh, oh, that's kind what of a, a sad blue light special. I was going to say, that's kind of sad in a way. A little bit. Um, but there are two that survived, and they're doing well. I did a story about five years ago um, on the uh, two survivors, the Solano 2 in Concord and the Capital 6 drive-in in San Jose. They're owned by Westwind Drive-Ins, which also owns the swap meets. And in almost every case with Westwind, um, they're using former drive-in locations for swap meets and then doubling up with the movies. They opened one. They're so successful with those two drive-ins that they couldn't find a space in the Bay Area, but opened one in Sacramento a few years ago. Mm. Does Santa Cruz still have its drive-in? Santa That's Cruz one I remember also was a flea market yeah. swap meet location. S- Santa Cruz was the last one to close before. Um, I mean, that's the last drive-in to close in the Bay Area. There were three the Solano, the San Jose, and then Santa Mm -hmm. Cruz, and then Santa Cruz closed. With all of these outdoor screening series that are starting to pop up, even in foggy, terrible weather San Francisco, it just strikes me that we are so ready for the, like, Valenciaization, hipsterized version of the (laughs) drive-through experience, you know, something where everybody can get into their smart fiat and have artisanal cheese brought to them and ironically watch Woody Allen movies while making Me Too jokes, you know? There's no parking. I I think that, (laughs) I mean, the the drive-in and that is kind of the answer to the question why haven't they come back well they have um people are they have blow up screens now you can rent them the chronicle did it this podcast the big event was a blog the big event and one of the things we did is we showed two movies out at children's fairyland on their lawn brought in an inflatable screen our marketing department was behind it huge huge mistake there um Mm. we showed flash dance which i totally forgot had naked breasts in it <laughs> what a so we feeling. were the only nudity ever i thought it fairyland? was pg i just oh, oh my, my god in the in the fairyland people were so nice they like dressed <laughs> up and nobody knew like we booked this movie and nobody we all forgot how dirty it was and how rated r it was and like we all were like dressing up and 80s. Did you have there on were your no off-the-shoulder sweatshirt? I hope, Peter. <laughs> I did not, but um, I had... You forgot s- the water throwback chair seat? And the glitter, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. sure we had it all. It was 21 and over, thankfully, because we served beers, so yeah. kids couldn't come in, but the screen was facing like Lake Merritt, so anybody <laughs> walking their dog or going by with their kids... We had, I mean, like, that's was, the worst thing to yeah. happen at Lake Merritt lately, yeah, really. So okay. that was a huge, huge mistake. Oh, awesome. They let us back. Thank you, uh, CJ and Children's Fairyland, and we showed uh, the Iron Giant the next year. That was excellent. And You're then... a maniac, maniac. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we'll do that again. Um, I want Goonies out there, quite frankly, both child-friendly and, um, yeah, could, and child-friendly. We could do Goonies. You know, we want to do one next summer, so we'll, we'll, we'll get that done. I wanted to just go over some drive-in memories, and I was hoping you guys could start if you remember the first one you went to. Jill? I think... I'm sort of dating myself, but I think the 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 one that I remember most was Jaws, and seeing Jaws at the drive-in theater in Redwood City, the Redwood Theater. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. 
it lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Um, and, uh, and, and you would think that there would be something like less scary about being in your car while you're watching <laughs> Jaws, but yeah, I still didn't go in swimming pools for a little while, yeah. even though it was at the drive-in. And my sister reminded me that we saw No Deposit, No Return, which is a Disney movie with, um, with, um, Don... Don Knotts. Knotts. <gasps> and, oh, Don uh, Knotts. Don Knotts. And <laughs> what's yeah. this puppy doing in your apartment, Chrissy and Janet? <laughs> I love uh, I love those Don Knotts Disney I movies. I have no recollection of seeing the that Apple movie. Dumpling Gang. I'm, yeah. The Apple Dumpling Gang was playing. Yeah. So I looked at this up. You told me that your family took you. Is your family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took you to Jaws. And I. I hate to throw your parents under the bus because, you know, you would think, well, maybe Jaws was the only movie playing. And indeed, Carnal Knowledge was on one of the three screens. Yeah. Oh, that's so a you, great movie. You dodged that in. bullet, although you probably walked and got some snacks. Yeah. But on the other screen while Jaws was playing was the- a double bill of the Apple Dumpling Gang and Swiss Family Robinson. So at some point, your parents were like, oh, I could take a right or a left here. Yeah, no, we, we went with family friends, and I think the, the adults were in one car and the kids were in the other car watching Jaws. I don't, But nobody knew what Jaws was. Like, nobody knew that it was going to make you afraid of water well, for the rest of your life. Well, there was a giant movie poster with a shark about yeah, to eat looked, a swimmer. Yeah, it didn't look so bad in the poster. It didn't look so bad. People talk about now, like, how our kids, so they can, you know, they're on the internet and they're seeing all these things. Like, our parents were, like, bringing us to Jaws and, like, VCR, the first VCR rental stores, you're too young, Tony. The first VCR rental stores would give you anything. There was no, like, you could get Faces of Death as a 12-year-old. Oh, yeah, there there was no age. I remember some of that. I remember being able to get, like, because there were foreign movies, things that, I mean, you want to talk about Flashdance nudity, like Bergman movies where awful things were happening (laughs) as a kid. They they did not bat an eye about a 16-year-old... trying to get like Hail Mary or or some weird Pasolini movie filled with more gore and nudity and violence than like any Kenneth Anger or, or Russ Meyer movie could have possibly been. Good Lord, Tony, you had a very different childhood than I did. Hey, you got to see sure. Jaws at a drive-in. You're the coolest person in the world. I know, it's kind of legendary, officially. right? That it is, is kind of legendary. Cool. Except I will say, I don't know if you saw that there was a, a showing recently in Austin, Texas, where they had Jaws on a huge outdoor screen, like a drive-in, but the people were in floating in inner tubes in a lake in yes. the dark. Yeah, that's the best. I No. That's so great. That is so no. That is wrong. So, Tony, your first Bay Area drive-in memory. So, um, my drive-in was the one in Burlingame, the Burlingame 4. Yes, Burlingame 4. As I've just been reminded. Um, And the family legend is is that um, I I believe the original Ghostbusters came out in 84, which is the year I was born. And that as a very young baby, my parents took me to see that. And... um, my grandmother was very fond of dressing me in little sailor outfits. I had like kind of a weirdly Victorian childhood in terms of what they put me in. Like I had formal wear at every age too. Like we didn't go anywhere where we needed this, but like God forbid the Pope came over or something. Like I had a tuxedo ready. 
Um, so the little sailor outfits, of course, and the fact that I was like a chubby little happy roly-poly baby, of course, invited the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man comparisons for the rest of my childhood. That's nice. um, and then I remember seeing uh, the Ghostbusters sequel there. Um, like, what is that? Five years later when my brother was a newborn baby. Um, a couple of, I don't know, sort of minor Disney movies are flashing in my head here. Not anything important, not Little Mermaid, but maybe Oliver and Company, which I, I think we got to see as a family because Bette Midler did one of the voices and, you know, like I, everybody liked Bette Midler in my family. And then the final movie I remember seeing there was Batman Returns in 91, 92. Um, and after that, the drive-in just, uh, I remember my parents kind of looking around thinking, oh boy, this has gone kind of downhill. So I must have gone to the Burlingame drive-in for when I was a small child because we lived like blocks away. I mean, it was just like play Frogger over the 101 freeway <laughs> and you're there. Um, I have no memory of it. My first Bay Area uh, drive-in memory is 13 years old. Working at the Burlingame Recreation Department, which was a great job, I was volunteering, but with a lot of older people, and the guy who was running it had a white truck, Steve, um, let us all pile in the white truck. My parents gave permission, some of my sister's friends were there, went and saw Police Academy, and he offered me Kahlua. (laughs) <laughs> he offered me a Kahlua drink, which I turned down. I'm very glad I did because I was the kid who would have probably freaked out and then like ended up narking them out. Also, it's Kahlua. You're not a sorority girl. <laughs> no. No. So I did not drink the Kahlua. I watched Police Academy. The first of three Police Academy movies that were shown at the Burlingame 4, which I saw one year apart. So shout out to the Police Academy producers who were able to get those movies out that quick and that's that's a perfect drive-in movie that's the absolute perfect drive-in movie so that was that was my first and it was at the Burlingame four um when did you actually take that uh that first drink after you turned on the the Kahlua Peter out of curiosity glad you asked because that's relevant (laughs) to this podcast and my career right now was it at a drive-in following that no it was not it was it did involve some of my sister's friends I was at the Junior States of America debating convention less than a year later in Sacramento at the Red Lion Inn, and I was a freshman. My sister's friends were seniors. Steve Curry, John Adruni, Hans Ulrich um, gave me, uh, it was Bacardi and Coke. And, uh, at a debate conference. At a debate conference. Still friends That's with them. That's not cool, though. Yeah, you know, I saw it's... you two with Hans and John. <laughs> I'm actually still friends with them. We joke about it. They follow on Twitter. So shout out John, Hans, and Steve for um, getting me drunk for the first time. But uh, not at the drive-in. Not at the drive-in. At the debate club, yeah. in essence. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we could just cover some other adventures, some drive-in memories. Um, Jill, you were a good girl, but you had to have had some fun there. Well, I remember it as fun, but I honestly, I, as cool as I am now... <laughs> Um, I I was a nerdy kid, so I never, as I said, I never made out at a drive-in. I never snuck into a drive-in. But, you know, I do remember it was, you know, you you wander around. You're looking at who's with who, who has steamed up windows. Um, You know, to me, that was was just the epitome of being a teenager in Redwood City in the 80s, right? uh, But I was a good girl. I, I... 
sadly, I don't, I don't, I mean, I had sips of my dad's drink growing up, but I didn't really get drunk till college. So that's kind of how nerdy I was. So were you like the barb of the group, if I may use a Stranger <laughs> Things um, comparison, also said in oh, the 80s? I, I love Barb, so it's a compliment. That would fit. I, I feel bad for what happened to Barb, but that might be a good fit. <laughs> I don't want to be Barb. I <laughs> love Barb. Barb had that little prairie out, that little I know, prairie blouse. I know, but you blouse. feel sorry for Barb. No, I, I, because, you know, sadly, I, all my friends were a lot like me, so yeah. the reality was, like, I guess we were all Barb, I guess. There was no... There's there's no shame in being a Barb. I don't yeah. know. I, she ended, she's dead. Is she dead? I don't know if she's dead. Uh, jungle Cruise Operator at Marine World. I was super Barb, cool. Barb yeah. would not have been a Jungle no, Cruise Operator no. at Marine No, I was, yeah, tour boat driver at Marine World. That was not Barb. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so Tony, your assorted drive-in memories. Uh, so, the, by the time I was a teenager, they were basically gone um, at that point. Uh, Burlingame had closed down. I went to high school in the city where, where there were, here in San Francisco, there were not any real options like that. So a lot of what I got about drive-in culture was through my dad's memories of of being there in the late 60s, early 70s when he was a teenager, and through movies. Like we mentioned, Grease has a great drive-in scene. John Waters' Cecil B. Demented has this great finale where they destroy a drive-in at the end of it. Um, and uh, does American Graffiti have a drive-in scene? Am I remembering that correctly? I. It may, but the one that jumps out at me is The Outsiders. Uh, uh, Pony Boy walking up to Cherry Valance and having a little moment with her, and she's the older girl from one of the Soches, mm. and he's a greaser. And Anyway, you think the Soches have it made? The rich kids. The South Side Soches. Well, I'll tell you something, Pony Boy, and it might come as a surprise, but things are rough all over. Come on, let's get out of here. Two will think we loved Mexico. That, like, kind of encapsulates drive-ins to me and what was different about it. You know, if my parents dropped me off to go see Rocky Four in our Peugeot station wagon, there was a set pickup time, a set drop-off time. I was being watched. There was supervision. A drive-in felt like, like anything could happen. You know, it was it, the jungle yeah. of theater going experiences. Yeah. My like equivalent to misbehaving at the drive in as a teenager was uh, Peaches Christ did a series at the Bridge Theater for a long time on Saturday nights in the summer called Midnight Mass. And as like, you know, arty, rebellious high school students, we would go ironically hang out with you know drag queens and reenactors to watch them do like mannequin two on the move starring christy swanson (laughs) and not andrew mccarthy and the shenanigans that went on there i mean these were movies that actually happened at midnight but there was always an hour pre-show in the peaches christ tradition as there still is when she does her shows at the castro and i mean it would just be anarchy people would be yelling back at the screen and you know passing joints around and openly drinking and i can only imagine that the shenanigans that happened there um, at the bridge, which is now currently batting cages, I believe, yeah, probably rivaled what happened in the, the most glorious of the glory days of the drive-ins. I remember um, cars. I, I remember every car we went in. I remember the folding chairs, you know, beach chairs. First major drive-in vehicle for us was Big Bertha, we called it. It was my friend Matt's dad's Dodge Ram van. 
And let me tell you, parents out there, don't make your kid's primary car a van. All right. Just at a drive in at a drive in. But just whatever era it is, you don't want your kid when he's learning to drive, picking up a van because any misdemeanors we might have committed, like were elevated to felonies because of that van. It was not (laughs) it was it was not a safe. uh, It was a very formative experience. I have a lot of really crazy memories, but I'm just really glad nothing horrible happened. But it was a good drive in car, the van. We would fit like six or seven people in there and pay for three. No unplanned pregnancies in the van <laughs> no, that you know no, of. Not that I know of. Great. Um, and then my car was, this is um, a really sweet memory. My grandfather had a Chevy 2 Nova that he bought off the lot. It might have been the first new car that he ever bought, um, 1962. Rode it, gave it to my aunt when she went to law school in the early 70s. And then she gave it back to him, and he sold it to me for $300. It was so a glorious vehicle. Three generations, and it was the best drive-in car because um, bench seats, yep. so you could fit six in there. Nice. And the hood, you could kind of angle it up, and it was made of solid steel, and you could, like, dance on it. You could have four people. It's unimaginable to do to a car now. Yeah. But we would routinely pile up pillows and blankets and fit three or four of us on the hood watching uh, movies from the Chevy 2 Nova. I want to go to a drive-in in that Chevy Nova where they are playing fame, and then we can all dance on the hood of it oh my God. together when they dance on the hood. Yes. Yeah. Dance party on Peter's car. I, I still wonder about the huge screens at the Oakland Coliseum that are still standing like these, you know, dinosaur monument under the you know flea market on Saturdays and Sundays, nobody's ever taken them down. And with real estate the way it is, yeah. no one has ever built there. I, I'll tell you, I asked the owner of because that's the Westwind Drive-ins that yeah. owns the Solano Two and the San Jose Drive-ins that are still standing. The two existing drive-ins, um, and I asked him like, it's still up there. Could we ever have movies back in Oakland? And he said people would love it. Um, you could get it done, but there's not enough room there they could only do one screen and you can only make money off those drive-ins if you can twin them split them into two or three or four or six uh-huh. screens so he said it just it isn't financially feasible and they went off and built that new drive-in in sacramento so they're looking for new properties just the so even col- though they have multiple screens they can't make it work it's there. the coliseum the drive-in it's because of the number of cars and where it is he said and also oh, that kind of breaks my heart and they, they do like i don't know we're getting really deep into the coliseum swap meet yeah. here but when you drive by on uh, 880 you can see like the tire guy just leaves his stuff there yeah so it would cause added stress for them where they'd have to get people to like remove their stuff and bring it back and but i have a a way around all this if it's about car space so uh, the trend lately has been movie theaters in which you can get you know full catered meals brought to you and more importantly liquor nice liquor plus cars i hear that is discouraged so what about a drive-in experience where you go sit in a stationary car that's already parked there or something like the Dolores Park, Golden Gate Park outdoor screenings. I think we have a trend story here. Yeah. And the van. The van? That would be extra. You could just have a whole bunch of vans like split open on the side with big, you know, body pillows inside. Nice. Or, or, and this gets david baker into it and it's a trend piece so chronicle benefits too yes self-driving cars 
how will the self-driving car affect the drive and maybe it'll bring it back yeah it could yeah i could oh. see one of the the um soon to come new models of the um volkswagen classic van being very heavily involved in this i think we have a corporate sponsor right there available <laughs> Gosh. very nice well we have a business plan we're on it all right, so post-journalism career settled. <laughs> so we have we have one more theme I want to cover, and that is the X-rated drive-in, of which there were at least three in the Bay Area and San Jose. Milpitas, I don't. That An surprises X-rated me. X-rated drive-in. The Nimitz drive-in. This is kind of mind-boggling to me because now for for our younger listeners out there. <laughs> who might not know what a drive-in movie is. They're these big outdoor screens that you can see for miles, yeah. right? And yeah. porn? Yeah. That was a problem, Jill. I actually... <laughs> of I course looked, it was. I in what universe up. is that not a problem? I looked this up uh, in the Chronicle, and um, that was a pretty big problem. It was kind of chic at one point in the 70s to like go see an adult film in a theater. I guess it makes sense that they could have had the drive-in experience. Like, you read articles about, like, Truman Capote and Jackie Kennedy going to see Deep Throat. So yeah. Yeah, I but guess they could have gone to a drive-in drive to see it. theaters are along a main road, like a freeway. I, and I you agree. just glance over and go, what? Oh, I just think, like, like, like the Zodiacs <laughs> walking around, people aren't worried about the, you know, boobies on the drive-in screen when I they're guess. going down Highway 101. I, guess, right. I assume it was all straight adult movies, by the way, as far as we can tell. Yes, yeah, sorry. Well, <laughs> well, no, but don't apologize. Like, I... I Knowing, in theory, the purpose of pornography, I think the idea of having it as like a group experience in cars is pretty horrifying. Well, we, we did cover the end of the last one. It was in 1987, the Sonoma Marin Theater, which was on the Sonoma Marin border, <laughs> which the drive-in screen, the back of it, could be seen from Highway 101. Oh, I can okay. just imagine wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So on the Sonoma Marin border, um, they were looking to buy it out. The person who owned the theater, he was like, hey, my hands are tied. I can't make money showing Bambi, so I got to show X-rated films. Like he... my hands are tied, <laughs> starring an actress also named Bambi. Actually, Frisky Business played there in 1986. So wow. that's a... Oh, I miss the days when adult films were all puns off of yes. mainstream movies. There were a lot of those. So um, the uh, person who owned it wanted the cities to buy it from him, but it was on unincorporated territories. Oh so the cities couldn't decide and the counties couldn't decide who would pay for it because it was right on the border. And they're talking about removing this thing and turning it into a floodplain again. Last porn drive-in theater in the Bay Area. So the Chronicles, Jim Brewer, goes out and interviews the dairy farmer who's who, who lives up on the hill <laughs> and whose property faces um, this theater. Like, he sees the theater. He doesn't see the back of it. He has four small children. Um, they have to close their curtains at night so the children won't see the ecstasy girls, you know, or whatever's oh playing gosh. there. Wow. I am so messaging Jim Brewer after this. And here's a great quote from um, dairy farmer Jerry Corda running this family dairy farm in this spot since the 1930s. Uh, I want, this is about the trucks coming up. Truckers would stop and make their stop like on his frontage road. I watched those 18 wheelers parked by the highway and I know they're not broke down. That theater's a threat to safety on Highway 101. So that was his. <laughs> so the truckers, the truckers are pulling over to watch a little porn on yes. the on their way to their destination. Well, I mean, it was nice. it was before cell phones and the and <laughs> the internet. So 
I, I, I guess it all makes sense. I mean, I, by the way, Peter, I didn't think I'd need a shower after this podcast. <laughs> so this, is, this is such a fun note to. I don't, I did not know that there was drive in porn. Yeah. Because it just seems a little counterintuitive. It's so American, though, you know, in some I ways. Guess. Just, you know, dri- drive up, uh, you know, don't, don't even, up. don't even get out, but get off and go. Mm. Should I leave out the most horrible part? No, no never. I can tell you. Yeah. Okay, of course. The most horrible part. We, this is in another Chronicle story. Um, they found a dead decomposing body in a ditch, like yards away from the theater. He's in a ravine. No foul play. Um, and the drive-in theater owners were like, oh, yeah. Well, his car had been empty there a few days. <laughs> there was a car that was empty in this theater like, just sitting just there sitting for there. days, and no one... No one bothered to go, gee, I wonder if he's in the ravine. <laughs> yeah, like 30 feet away. <laughs> oh, and no. And that, wow. that was another reason the guys like, there. you wouldn't believe the things that are going on that I have to shoo away going on there. So they, um, anyway, uh, RIP Sonoma Marin Theater, or should we just be happy it's gone? I I, you know, I have mixed feelings. Have very mixed feelings <laughs> about this. I mean, I I feel like we are ready for a drive-in revival in the way that we now have sort of nostalgic newly opening video stores and yeah, um, and grand movie houses that are thankfully getting renovated and treated correctly. But I don't know if we're ready for like porn drive-ins no. to come back. I I agree, and we've kind of covered it already. I mean, but like the internet kind of killed it. Yeah, I mean, and and you can put an inflatable screen the our kids schools or you know the the local little league does them as fundraisers as i mentioned the chronicle did it we did yeah restaurants uh, do it you know we'll do it again so you can have the inflatable screens you have these two surviving ones which are great i suggest you go there if you haven't gone there with your family it's fun you get back the old memories and also the picture's a little better now so that's the west wind drive-ins in in, uh, uh concord and in san jose and um, and maybe it'll come back. These self-driving out- cars, outdoor movie screenings that are so popular in San Francisco, in spite of our weather, yeah, are, yeah. are always packed every time I'm I've in. been to one. I'm totally in. So yeah. we'll bring them back. Um, so that's just kind of my final question: Were we better with drive-ins and and final thoughts? Yeah, you know, I it's it's nostalgia to me it's how i grew up it's the commu- it's the world that i grew up in um but yeah you know it's almost like i can't see it happening like with houses costing a million dollars like that one car space like will it could it really come back yeah. or do you still have to be in like a small town with lots of land yeah i think that there is room for sort of a drive-in theater 2.0 variation um something that would maybe use less space than the traditional drive-in i just think the idea of even just building you know sort of a phone nostalgia experience off of the the very essence of the the drive-in i think there's a market for it i think that that my millennial peers would would probably pay ridiculous amounts of money (laughs) to get into um peter's love demon (laughs) wherever it may be and like I don't know, have the bad, overly greasy popcorn and then lukewarm nachos that have been sitting there, and just to have the full sort of like spectrum of what that could have been, from like the very best side of it to the most divey, end of days CD drive-in. I you know, and that's kind of the middle ground where I'm 
happy with, you know, to have a couple that exist, maybe find some way to do a pop-up drive-in somewhere where we can bring our cars on the Alameda Naval Base or something like that. That'd be fun. But I think our memories are good. I don't, I don't, I have a 12, 13 year old and 10 year old son. I don't feel the need for them to have to go through that. Um, I mean, it was a nice memory of mine, but they can create their own memories in their own Dodge Ram vans or whatever. (laughs) With their own Kahlua. With their own Kahlua. (laughs) So um, anyway, RIP to all the drive-ins. We'll be sharing some more of these on, uh, I'll be sharing a lot of the photos that we've been talking about on Twitter. We have a style story coming out on July 15th. July 15th. It is our summer kickoff issue, which is happening in July because our sort of joke about this is, um, you know, how to make your July summer in San Francisco not suck. Yeah. July is a miserable month here in the city and Peter has been... Um, gracious enough to um, to provide some of his thoughts on what was great about Bay Area summers, what what is great about the Bay Area summer, and more importantly, where you have to go that's San Francisco adjacent in order to get an experience that's something summer. like the <laughs> summer. So that's a, a big uh, full department collaboration with uh, Peter representing Datebook. Yeah, I'm really excited for it, and I'm super excited that you guys came in. Um, I love talking with you guys and um, got some good drive-in memories here. I'm going to go watch The Outsiders again. So see you at the flea market, if not the drive-in? Yeah. You're just going to have your pony boy flashbacks. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you both for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Tony Bravo and Jill Tucker. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. Stranded after driving Branded a fool What will they say Monday at school